All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Happy Hump Day! Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, coming to you live also on Orders Nation YouTube. Join the conversation. There, of course, you can text us, 833-401-1440. The Jason Greger Show, as always, is presented by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca, where, hey, get in the game. The uh, puck has dropped. Now you can get into all the new odds boosts they have. You can try those. Of course, Lotto 649, Casino, you name it. They have it all. And use your GameSense, GameSense.ab.ca. A, I am Jason Greger. He is Connor Halley, and oh, what a difference 24 hours makes. Yesterday, can't believe the coach is loading up the top line. It's terrible. Now today, hey, do you think Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and Fogel can be a really good second line? <laughs> oh, I love the roller coaster of emotions for sports fans. I don't think there's there's anything else that will take you on a ride like that from one day to the next, but uh, the Edmonton Orders... Uh, the, the most obvious thing last night that Leon Dreisold was going to score. It's a no-brainer. The guy is absolutely on fire. Did you know Leon Dreisaitl is the only active NHL player who is averaging exactly one goal per game against an o- opponent when they played them at least 20 games in his career? Now, he's had to go on an absolute heater to get to that because he he now has 24 goals in 24 career games against the Nashville Predators, right? It's uh, it's pretty impressive. So I look at, at where he is now and uh, potentially 
what's going to happen the next five years? Who knows? Now, eventually he's going to slow down. You can't score at this rate against one team. At some point, it'll slow. Now, it might not slow down for a long time. Wayne Gretzky, in 69 games against the Kings, had 60 goals. And then he got traded to L.A. So that slowed it down. Now, he did play them a few times late in his career as a member of St. Louis and the Rangers, but not nearly as much. Most of that damage came as a member of the Edmonton Orders. So Leon Dreisaitl has 24 goals in 24 games. And he's been able to do that because he has scored 22 goals in the last 12 games, which, do the math, means he had two in his first 12 against the Preds. Now... He's on an absolute heater. Four points. Like, this guy is getting four-point games, five-point games, three-point games for fun right now. Absolutely for fun. It is crazy to see. Zach Hyman, four-point night. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, three points. McDavid, Fogel, two points. And uh, Jack Campbell, 42 stops. The th- interesting thing about Jack Campbell is, and I sa- I've, I've said I thought Jack Campbell played very well in the preseason. He allowed one goal a game. So if you look at Jack Campbell now, he's made five starts, if you want to include preseason, and his starts were on the road against teams where they had majority of NHL players in the lineup. In his five games, he has a 950 save percentage, and that includes the game against Vancouver. Because in the other four games, the other 240 minutes, so you have 240 minutes or you have 27 minutes. Everybody knows sample size. Al loves the sample size. I know it's early, but Jack Campbell has looked really poised the majority of his time in the crease. He was excellent early in that game. I thought he was excellent throughout that game. You don't see the scorpion say very often from a goalie, that's when you know things are going well. But even listening to him post-game, he talked about how, you know, he's learned just let it go. The game in Vancouver didn't go how he wanted it's not like he let in terrible goals, but knowing him, he's probably saying, hey, maybe I could have made a save here or there. Even one more might have made a difference. But he bounced back, and he was excellent early. And then even when the orders got up, they gave up a lot of chances, and uh, he stood on his head. He was outstanding. And I don't – now, they had a day off today. I'm sorry. There is zero chance I'm starting Stuart Skinner tomorrow. Orders need to get in on a little bit of a run here. If you want to start Skinner at home – Maybe, but, and I know some will say, well, Philly's an easier opponent, easier, schmeezier. Right? Was Anaheim an easier opponent when uh, they beat Carolina 6-3? No, you never know. To me, I'd roll with the guy who's going hot right now, and Jack Campbell has been really good. You just look at the overall five starts he's had, it's been excellent. All right. Even if you want to include the 27 minutes against Vancouver, he has a 950 save percentage in five games this season, preseason, regular season. And as mentioned, you know, he played Seattle was Seattle's full line. But when he played in, in Calgary, that a lot of Calgary's top six forwards going. He's been tested and he's played very well. well I thought Philip Broberg. I know there was lots of talk about the offense. I like Broberg last night. He's a lot more assertive. It's a good sign. Now, the orders weren't great, but here's the thing. They don't have to be great every game in every facet. That's not reality. Okay, it's not reality. The Vegas Golden Knights, they won in the playoffs 
even sometimes when they got spanked a few games by the Edmonton Orders in that series. It's can you be better than your opposition four out of seven games? Doesn't mean you have to be great in all seven. So I think people have to remember that when you're analyzing the orders. Well, this wasn't good, and that was who cares? They won six to one. It's a pretty convincing win. And their second line, Fogel, Nugent Hopkins, and McLeod, solid game. Would you stick with it? Why not? You can run it for a bit. Who knows? Maybe maybe they'll go on a heater for week, two weeks, three. Who knows? Fogel, prior to scoring, has played quite well. Then he rang one off the bar later. Fogel's had a pretty good start to the season, I thought. And, you know, he's he's not going to be a guy who's going to capitalize on the majority of his chances. He never has been. Like, he's basically been a 13-goal scorer his whole career. Now, he's never played in the top six regularity. So could that extend? Could he become an 18 or 20-goal guy for a year? Probably. I don't think he's suddenly going to be a 30-goal guy. That's, I think, a tad unrealistic. I don't think he needs to be. Like, that'd be a huge bonus. Good for him. He'd cash in. He's a UFA at the end of the season. But Fogels can skate. He plays aggressive enough. Decent defensively. But I like the pace he plays with. He attacks. He moves. And, uh, you know, Nugent Hopkins was solid. Zach Hyman was solid. So, overall, pretty good win for the Edmonton Orders. And uh, now they go into Philly to uh, take on the Flyers, who shut out the Canucks last night. 2 nothing. So, uh, you know, they're feeling good about themselves a little bit. So, uh, we will... Uh, We'll look at that today on the show. Uh, we got a loaded lineup for you today. We will uh, hear from Ken Dryden, who will uh, join us. He has a new book coming out. We'll talk about that, but uh, also about his career. He's written a lot of books. And, you know, what's unique about Ken is uh, he came in as this rookie guy and just had an unreal, unreal run with the, you know, the Montreal Canadiens. Kind of came out of nowhere in 71 and then was outstanding in the playoffs. Won a lot of cups with them over the years. But uh, is probably more well-known for his political career and and the books he's written over time. So we'll talk to him at 2.20 today. Uh, Yaremchuk will be by for Motors Nation. Mike Rupp. uh, Levi Weaver will talk MLB. Is this going to be sweep-a-rama in both sides? Man, the Phillies absolutely crushing the D-backs. And the Rangers have yet to lose. They're undefeated in the playoffs. Like, I love I love unexpected stories. I'd love to see them just keep winning. Be great to see. Speckly by will also uh, go in the community. Uh, GM of the Spruce Grove Saints, Rob Sklaruk, will join us. And it is Who Is It Wednesday. Excited about our guest who's going to be joining us live in studio today. We always like to give you uh, a few hints on uh, who our guest will be. So uh, some of the uh, the hints uh, I'll give you to start is uh, this person was an Olympian and also Stanley Cup champion. Has been in, involved in, in other sports as well. More on the, uh, on the management side. So there you go. And if you want to think uh, way back when to different time, well, you know what? No, I'm not going to say that yet. That'd give it away. So I'll wait. But um, 
Stanley Cup champion, Olympian, and uh, involved in management side in other sports. So those are the first three hints on who is it Wednesday. Also, reminder to let you know that starting Monday, Help Your Neighbor is back. Not on this station, but on this show. Help Your Neighbor, for those of you who are maybe new to the show, haven't listened, this is your opportunity to gift someone a very meaningful gift. A brand new, high-efficiency furnace. Installed, they'll take out the old one, courtesy of Legacy Heating. Legacy Heating, you know, they do so much in the community. They donate this package. And how it works is starting Monday, we will have a qualifier. We'll do it at uh, at the 4 o'clock hour uh, every day. And we will qualify someone new. You then will go into a draw because you, as the uh, the gifter, you know, you're going to get a prize. You're going to get some uh, order tickets on a Friday night game in December. Some good seats in the lower bowl. As well as something for your home. And then you will have time to think about who you are, who would you gift it to? Can't gift it to anybody in your household. So you can't give it, if you win, you can't give it to your wife, okay? Or your husband or a common law. Can't do it, right? Has to be to someone outside of your home who owns their house and uh, resides within a hundred kilometer radius of Edmonton, okay? Those are the only rules. And then we will pick a winner on Monday, November 20th. So we're going to run this for a month. Starts this coming Monday. And then we will have the draw on the 20th. And uh, you're going to be able to call that person and say, hey, guess what? You're going to get a brand new high-efficiency furnace installed in your house. So think about it. You want to find someone. Like last year, Kara was our winner. She was a single mom. And, uh, you know, they, they had some real heating issues in their home. Not just the furnace, but also actually there was no insulation in some of the rooms. And uh, Steve uh, volunteered and he actually uh, put some insulation in for her for free, which is amazing on top of it. And we really made a difference in someone's life. So that's what we're looking for, someone to uh, to help out for sure. You can text us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, 833-401-1440. Hey, guys, I have to say, last night was the first time I really noticed Broberg. He was skating very well, smooth, fast. See what he can potentially bring to the team in a trade. Very bright future. Well, you know what? It's funny because Matias Ekholm talked about the one thing he's really been working on with Broberg is be more assertive. Be more assertive. You're a great skater. Get up in the ice. And you know what? If something doesn't happen, you got the speed to get back in. You can get back on defense. You're that good of a skater. And so... All of a sudden, when you start to see that, then he's going to be around the play more. He's going to make more plays. He's going to be involved in the play. And uh, to me, that's a, a good one. Hey, guys, what do you make of Connor Brown's game so far from picks? Ah, he looks like a player who hasn't played in a year. The NHL is hard, my man. Um, he Now, keep in mind that Connor Brown has never been a huge scorer. Right? I like the contract. I didn't love the bonus part of the contract. Right? I didn't love it. So, you know what? Uh, he was a rarity because he was able to get bonus-laden contract because he basically missed the entire previous season. And to me, Connor Brown, I honestly, I'm probably going to give him 15 games before I really start to get too concerned about how he's playing. That, that's the way I look at it. I have realistic expectation. The NHL is hard. 
When you haven't played a game for a year, I think it's even more difficult. Unless you're elite of elite. And he's not elite of elite. So that's uh, that's where he goes. Hey, Gregor, who got the three stars last night? Honestly, I don't look. I'm Rockford, I'm done looking at the three stars because the three stars have become the biggest joke in the NHL. The home team... They are somebody from the home city, and they basically gravitate towards the home team. It doesn't matter. It's kind of ridiculous. So um, I'm kind of past the point, Connor, of the three-star selection. I really I don't put any emphasis into it anymore because I don't think it matters. Would you like to know, though? For the listener, it was a Leon Dreisaitl was first, Hyman sure. second, and Nuge was third. No, there you go. Well, it's really hard to pick a Nashville Predator last night when yeah. you lose 6-1. <laughs> right? But, like, look at Demko in, in Philly last night. Demko stood on his head for Vancouver. They lost 2 nothing, and he doesn't get a star. So, you know, the home team wins, and when the home team wins, even if an opposing team guy has a really good game, they don't get a star. So, uh, And sometimes, even if the home team loses, you know, sometimes I've seen two stars from the home team. They lose 3-1. to one, They got two stars. You're like, pardon? So it's not, it doesn't, ha- and I believe it weakens the importance of it. We have a tendency to do that in society lately. We want to devalue things by handing out to everybody. So, yeah, there we go. Hey, Greg, is Ralph Kruger going to be on the show today? Uh, no. Uh, no. I'd, I'd like to get Ralph Kruger on the show. But now I don't think Ralph Kruger won a Stanley Cup, did he? I'll have to look. I'm trying to think. Was Kruger, was he, like maybe he might have been a consultant with Tampa Bay now that I think about it. But I don't know. Does that really count? No offense to consultants, but not sure it does. 218 when we return ken dryden will join us on the gregor show on sports 1440 live and orders nation youtube 222 wednesday afternoon how are you jason gregor connor halley with you as it's time now for our big guest of the day brought to you by the junior prospects hockey league an academy style approach for U14, U15, and U18 hockey players with a focus on skill development and education. Learn more at juniorprospectshockeyleague.com. And uh, we are joined by a gentleman who is, man, he's done a lot in his life. When you when you read his list of accomplishments, you're like, geez, I might have to do a few more things. Of course, uh, Stanley Cup winner, had a great NHL career. Then he's a politician. And uh, he's been an award-winning author. He's written some of the best books uh, when it comes to a hockey and different things than they've ever read. I think many of you have probably read The Game. was fantastic. Uh, hockey and a Life in Canada is another one. Uh, of course, The Life and Death of uh, Steve Montador and The Future. Uh, the Scotty Bowman book, Scotty, A Hockey Life Like No Other. Uh, he has a new book that's just come out called The Class. Ken Dryden joins us. Ken, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Jason. Thanks. How are you? I'm excellent, Ken. You, you know what? I'm really happy to have you on the show because um, you're such a unique personality. You, you know, maybe you color outside the lines a little bit of what we'd assume for athletes, and maybe it's an f- unfair assumption. But, um, you know, like everybody, there is that iconic pose of you standing there. You know, you got your hands on the top of your stick, kind of just being very pensive as a goalie. You know, you get thrown into the fire in the, maybe the most pressure-packed time for the biggest organization in the hockey world at that point in 1971. And from on the outside, Ken, it seemed like you were super calm. Were you always that calm? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can hide a lot behind a mask. Um, but I think that, that mostly when, and I think it's for other players as well, I mean, w- once the action begins, 
you're so absorbed in it that you can't be absorbed in yourself anymore and you don't you don't feel the nervousness or the fear uh, that you might feel before uh, and so again it's it's it, it's just making the game and making that moment all that you're really focused on and then when you do then it's okay so I want to get to your new book that's just coming out called The Class because it's kind of different than what I want to talk about some of the old ones if that's okay but the, can you give anybody a synopsis? I don't want to butcher it. Um, uh, I've read part of it. So give everybody the synopsis on the class, because when I started reading, it, I was like, man, this is a pretty unique idea. Well, it, 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 the class refers to a high school class that I was in. And, and when we were in, in, in grade eight, um, we all wrote special exams and 35 of us were chosen for this class at, at Etobicoke Collegiate in the suburb of Toronto. And, and we stayed together all during high school, in which at that time was five years. And in Ontario, we had grade 13. And, and the question you know, that I had, you know, not too many years after we left high school, and certainly by the time I was in my 30s, it was, you know, that, that where has everybody gone and, and, and what are they doing? Uh, that we knew each other during those years. We had some idea of each other's interests, um, directions we wanted to go, ways that we thought, um, ambitions that we had, all, all of that. But then life happens. And, and so then what happens? And, and, and in, in part, all of that was spurred by, by my own experiences and of where, um, you know, when I was in high school, I had no idea that the next 15, 20 years of my life would be what they were. Um, I, I thought I would play hockey to junior B, uh, and then if I had the chance to play university hockey, and then that would be it. And uh, I wanted to be a lawyer, and I guess I'd go on to law school. I'd become a lawyer and live a lawyer's life, whatever that might be, uh, probably in Toronto. Um, that's where I was, you know, where I had grown up. Uh, probably get married, probably have kids. That's what seemed to happen. Uh, maybe uh, coach our kids uh, um, as, as they got older. But that would be the likely path um, that I'd take. And then, of course, everything just all, you know, all went haywire. And and uh, ended up in the NHL. I did go to law school, graduated, but I never practiced law. Um, and and started to become interested in a lot of things that I had never been interested in before. I hated writing in high school. Uh, I did every everything possible to to not have to write. I didn't think I could. I didn't think I could do anything that that related to. You know, music or the arts, and in any kind of way, I had no imagination, you know, and no patience for anything like that. And so I thought, you know, that if if that's what happened with me, and and a lot of the fr- my friends, you know, they were not doing what they were imagining themselves do, to do. Uh, then what was it like for my classmates? And so then all the you know that I had that in the back of my mind for the last thirty years or so. And then finally decided, no, this this is the moment. Let's see if uh, how many I can find of the of my thirty four classmates and see how life has been for them. 
it was a it's a fan, fascinating idea because obviously there were some people you didn't realize had passed away and you know that obviously happens to most classes obviously depending on the age of people and different things like that and you know you mentioned that because I think a lot of us how you map things out but I want to talk first of all about your hockey career Ken so you felt like hey you know what I, maybe I could get to university at what point like after grade eight did it ever change where you're like oh you know what like maybe this could be something like. Did you wait until you were drafted by Boston in 64, or did you have an inkling before that? No, I, I never did. I mean, even even when I was drafted, it was like, okay, I mean, I, I, I'm drafted, but I know the difference between me playing junior B hockey for the Etobicoke Indians and and Saturday night television screen and the people who are on that screen, and they're not me and I'm not them. And I'm never going to be them. Okay. And and so even then going on and, and being at Cornell, and it, and it turned out that we were a lot better than I thought we would be, and we won an NCAA championship, and 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 we hardly lost any games, and there would be scouts from the Canadians that would be watching me play, and even at that point, it was like no, like it it uh, that's not going to happen, um, and so. Uh, I mean, I ended up then graduating from Cornell, had a chance to sign with the Canadians, but instead decided to go with the national team where I could go to law school as well as play a high level of hockey because, again, I didn't think I could make it. And then arrived at a Montreal training camp, and it just happened, you know, that there were that there was a, um, a kind of a moment of opening where the Canadians had not made the playoffs the year before, which during the 50s, 60s, and, and uh, you know, just never happened. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I'm at this training camp, and the Canadians aren't doing well in training camp. And so they say, you know, well, let's go from the AHL camp, play a couple of games. And they turned out fine. And then, you know, went back to the AHL camp, but at the same time, I'm a full-time law student. And so I can only play a few games with the American League team and then get brought up in March because the team isn't doing very well and get slotted into a few games and then get chosen to play the first game of the, fi- of the, of the first round against the Bruins who had won the cup the year before. And then things, you know, it turned out I could do it. And I had no idea I could do it until it happened. And, uh, and it was, you know, as, as much of a shock to me as it was to, to anyone else. And uh, so, no, I, I uh, you know, and, and even during the years that I was playing with, the first few years I was playing in Montreal, and I was, I was still, you know, a law student at McGill. And when we'd have to fill out forms that said occupation, I didn't put hockey player. I put law student. Um, because I thought that's what I was, and that and that the hockey part of it was just had just kind of happened, and I wasn't sure that it was going to continue to happen. Ken Dryden joins us. That's fascinating, Ken. That uh, that you were actually a law student while you were playing in the American Hockey League. Like I'm guessing there's not well, a lot of a lot of those guys yeah, around. Yeah. Well, and it wasn't just while I was playing in the American Hockey League. Yeah. It's when I was playing with the Canadians. I mean, when I, the the uh, um, you know that that final part of the first year, I was uh, I mean in in March I mean I had the problem of <laughs> of coming up to the Canadians and then going into the playoffs at the same time as exams, and then and then you know the following year, I'm playing with the Canadians and I'm being a full time law student because 
you know, law, law uh, schools didn't allow you to be anything other than a full-time student and, and then continued it on into the year afterwards. And that's when I finally graduated. So you're telling me in 1971-72, you're a full-time law student and you still played 64 games for the Canadians? That's right. How do you mix it? You're like, where are you studying? <laughs> well, you know, buses, airplanes. Uh, I mean, one of the, you know, the great times for me was that I, I could never sleep after games. I mean, that, that I was so pumped after a game that, that you know, uh, if I went out and, you know, you know, uh, had something to eat or, you know, uh, and we're with the, the guys for a while, that's fine. Then you come back to the hotel room and it's still four or five in the morning before I can fall asleep. Well, you know, at a certain point, forget, you know, if, I, if I'm going to be awake, I may as well read trust. And and so that's what I did. And, and, and uh, you, you know, you just find time because you have to find time and you have to find ways of of using that time it was not an ideal way of going to law school and you could never really enjoy it because it always felt like cramming and we all know what cramming is like you know you you may be able to um, learn enough and retain enough to get yourself through an exam but it's not fun while you're doing it Um, but that was the only way I I wanted to go to law school I wanted to play as at, at as high a level as I could there was no option to to postpone one for the other. There's no way of being a part-time player in the NHL and a part-time law student. And so faced with the full-timeness of both, you know, you just find a way. Ken, how how was that, like, Yvonne Cornway, Frank Mahavala, Jacques Lemaire, you had a young Guy Lafleur your first full season in Montreal as well. Um, how, how, would, how did your teammates handle the fact that you were a full-time law student? Um, I think at first it was just sort of a curiosity um, uh, that that you know, and, and I think in part it helped that I was a goalie, uh, and because you know, <laughs> I mean, every non-goalie, every defenseman and forward thinks goalies are very different, <laughs> and so um, this was my quirkiness, you know, that I was, you know, that I was going to school. Um, but I think, I think, in fact, as time went on, that there was um, a, a little, you know, I think more than a little bit of respect, you know, in, yeah. in that way. And, wow. and, and, and the thing that was one of the, I mean, the, the, the person who was absolutely central to this all was Sam Pollock, who was the general manager of the Canadians. And, and, and he allowed me to try. I mean, I, I think every other general manager in the NHL would have said, no way. Yeah. You, you have to make a choice. Uh, we can't you know, rely on you if, in fact, um, uh, you're trying to do this because it's going to fail and you're going to fail. And that means the team is going to fail with you and you're going to have to make a choice. I think Sam Pollock, I think he enjoyed the fact that I was trying because I think that had life been different for him when he was younger, he would have wanted to do, you know, a, 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 and, and, and as he did in his career, all kinds of different things and have the challenge and the test of trying to pull them off. 
Ken Dryden joins us. Uh, has a new book coming out, The Class, which is uh, basically he goes and tracks down all the people he went to uh, in this special class in grade 8 together to find out how their life went, maybe a lot of different paths than they would have expected. And uh, yours is one of those paths. As you mentioned, you never thought you were going to be an NHL hockey player. You never thought you'd be a writer. So I want to get to your writing, Ken, because we've got a lot of text coming in. What made you suddenly realize I could be a writer? Well, again, it, it wasn't sudden. I mean, it, it, uh, um, I learned in university that I could write okay. I mean, I could, I could write assignments. Sorry about that. I, I could write assignments, um, and, and, and I could write articles. But, and I thought a book was a long article, but it isn't. I mean, it's, it's very different from, from a long article. And it's like anything that, you know, you do or any of your listeners do, you know, you, you try, you know, you, you don't, you, you don't know that you can, but if you don't know that you can't, then, you know, then, and stick with it, you can find out. And, and so that's, that's essentially what happened. I mean, when I was starting the first book I did and you alluded to it earlier was, was the game. Yes. And it took me, I'll bet the first year of writing it, um, in the final version, there was probably almost nothing that survived, you know, into the final version. You had to learn as you were writing it, and then, and and then, you know, you you, you gradually find yourself and discover that you're getting a little bit better. You're getting a little bit closer to seeing on at that time the page in front of you what you were, you know, you're, you're seeing in your head. I mean, so, you know, for all of us, when, you know, when we're writing, I mean, we, we, you know, that it, we may have clearly in our minds what we want to write and then we put it down on paper and we're like, Oh man, that's not even close to what I'm thinking or feeling. Uh, and I'm never going to get there. And we kind of give up. Well, if you keep at it, at a certain point, what's on that page or now what's on the screen can start to look a little bit like what's in your head. And then that becomes really satisfying and, and exciting. And and basically to me, you know, that the, the writing is like how I approach every how I approach being a goalie, um, how I approach, you know, being, you know, working in government and in politics. It was it, it's all about trying to figure out stuff. Uh, is that it, and again, it's like as in this book. How did we get from there to here? Um, in 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 hockey, how did that happen? You know, what did I do? What did I do wrong? What did we do wrong? What do I need to do next? Why is that guy doing what he's doing there on on the ice? What can I do differently? You know, to to make it different. You know, the next time. I mean, it's and and in in politics or anything else, it's the thing. What is the nature of this country? If I'm going to be a member of parliament, I need to understand the country. I need to be there. I need to be on the ground. I need to be immersed in it. I need to have you know feelings and thoughts and ideas uh, um, uh, about it. And and to me, you know, being uh, you know a goalie. Uh, writing, being in politics or other things, it's 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 immersing yourself in it, becoming what it is you're doing, and then you know, and then trying you know trying to make sense of it, and then trying to make it all work. And lastly, Ken, what's unique about you as an author is you know you've written sports books, 
Uh, you've written about, uh, you know, our, our classrooms, our teachers, our kids, which was uh, about the, the educational system. Uh, you even talked about, you know, Canada needing a new definition uh, as a unique place in the world. Obviously, you've had uh, hockey books about Scotty Bowman and others, and now the class, which is a very unique idea about a, a grade eight classroom that, that you were part of. Uh, where, do you, where do you come up with these ideas? And do you have any, uh, is there an area that you haven't written about that you'd like to? Yeah. Um, well, uh, the the ideas really come from um, things that that I find really interesting, and 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 then figure, okay, um, what you know, what can I know about it? What can I? How? What sense can I make of it? How can I get it down? How can it you know be of some potential value or interest to somebody who's 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 reading it? I mean, when I was writing this book, I knew, like every, every book that is about um, a person or a group of people, in, whether it's a biography, autobiography, or, uh, you know, or other nonfiction that way, is really about a life and times. I mean, our times affect us hugely, where we live in the country, what the circumstances are at the moment in the country, what our own circumstances, our parents are, all of those things. And so, when you're writing a book like the like the class, you're you're writing a, a from there to here story in terms of individuals and individual lives, but you're also writing a from there to here story about the country, and 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 writing about the years, not just even the years that we've been alive. We were all born in either 1947 or 1946, and all and the years you know, forward of us at, at, you know, in those post-war years when everything in Canada seemed possible. And in the same in the U.S., the rest of the world was in so much disarray, but everything seemed possible. Coming out of depression, coming out of war, all these possibilities. That's what we lived. And, and so this was a chance to write you know about people's lives and also the, their lives in the context of, of of the country. So you know it, it has a wonderful range of possibility of, of of exploring you know all of these questions. And yes, you know you you always have in your mind you know other things that that you, you'd you'd like to really get at. And and I have something in mind now. I don't know whether it will become a book. Like again, this one took, you know, a couple of decades before I finally decided to write it. Okay. I don't know whether what I have in mind now is really a book or better as a film project or something else. But but yeah, I mean that they're just as you know in the in the work that you do. I mean, you know, it, there's fascinating things all around, and all you need to do is kind of land on something. And the more you, you know, you focus on what you've landed on, the more fascinating it becomes. Well said, Ken. Uh, I look forward to finishing the book class. Uh, I love the idea of it. Uh, you know, it's a great honor to have you on our show. Uh, continued success in, in writing and, and writing about things that matter. I really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Jason. Good luck. That is Ken Dryden, man. What a career he's had as an NHL player. But you know what? A lot of people nowadays know Ken more as an author as he was an NHLer. Like, he was definitely more than a hockey player, which I think is uh, is fantastic. And just imagine for a second, you know, most of you probably have, you think of your grade 8 classroom. And you might, you're just, geez, I wonder what happened to 
Yeah, whatever. Pick a name. Aaron, Sally, guess depends on the uh, generation they were in and, and who was in your class and kind of what happened to them. What what they thought was going to happen and then what happened. And then just think about your own life from grade eight. It's very unique. And what about that? Going to law school while you're playing in the NHL? <laughs> Not a lot of guys do that. Uh, we'll come back. Here, M. Chuck will join us. So we'll talk a little hockey. Oilers. Get a win, and now they go into Philly. I had a very light practice, like five guys were on the ice today, so it was basically a non-skate day for the orders as they get set to take on the Flyers tomorrow. We'll discuss it on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Welcome back. Jason Gregor Show on Sports 1440, also live on Orders Nation YouTube. Hope you're having uh, yourself an awesome day. Really enjoyed uh, that conversation with uh, Ken Dryden. If you missed it, go to jasongregor.com. It'll be up there. And anywhere you get your podcast, right at the top of the hour. Now let's get to the uh, oil report brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton, Volvo uh, Cars Edmonton, where right now, stop in. You can get financed for as low as 1.49% on a new, a demo, or previously certified pre-owned Volvo. Only at Canada's number one Volvo dealership. MobileCarsEdmonton.com. As we welcome in from Oilers Nation, uh, Tyler Uremchuk. And uh, things are calm now. Uh, Oilers Nation can exhale. The uh, Oilers got a win and uh, probably the best the best option for them because uh, you knew that Leon Dreisaitl was going to score. It's, it's become almost laughable at how predictable it is that Leon Dreisaitl will light up the Preds. Like, you just don't see this. Like, to, it's not that easy to score in the NHL as regular as he does, never mind with as much frequency as he has against the the preds here for the last five years but also like this matchup doesn't really make sense like if dry was going out and doing this against like the coyotes or a rebuilding ducks team or you know go down the list of teams that have been giving up a lot of goals over the last number of years sure but he's been doing this against the predators franchise that i mean if it wasn't pekka rene it's now uc soros between the pipes always they always have an elite goalie and they're always kind of built from the blue line out they always take pride in keeping pucks out of their net. So the fact that this is the matchup, he just happens to exploit this way. It's puzzling. It doesn't make sense. It feels like a weird statistical anomaly. Well, you know what? You look at it, the orders are, you know, they're kind of in their mix of being a very good team because it's funny prior to this Nashville used to beat the orders for fun, right? Remember Pecorino, they could never beat him. So it's kind of gone the other way and now it's just a score. But usually even if one team has your number, it's very rare that one individual has that much success. Like, Drysaddle's the only player currently active in the NHL who is averaging a goal per game in his career against one team. No one else does it. Right? Like, even McDavid hasn't done it. Matthews hasn't done it. You know, Matthews has 26 and 32 against Montreal, which is really good, but it's not 24 and 24. And uh, so it's it's, it's kind of almost comical to watch at times because when the game starts, you're just like, oh, Oh, let's go to playalberta.ca and put down Leon Dreisaitl scoring a goal, and you'd be ultra-confident that it'll happen. I'm not sure if you guys played him on the show, but did you hear his uh, media veil after the game talking about it? Like, it says so much about Leon Dreisaitl's personality that he's, like, annoyed with his own success. <laughs> yeah. The old grumpy German, man. He shows up at all different times. Um Yesterday, some people were very upset that they went to the, the nuclear deterrent in McDavid and Drysaddle because, wow, they don't have any depth. And then afterwards, it's like, hey, do you think the Fogelheim and Nugent Hopkins line can really be a good second line? Like, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Things can change quickly. Yeah, I, I mean, am I sold that Fogel, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman can produce offense like that on a game-to-game ba- game basis? No, I'm not. Um, but I totally understand the temptation from Jay Woodcroft to, when things aren't going great, just go back to McDavid and dry settle on the top line. I, I understand that. And it kind of got me thinking, Greg's, about is there a way to do it more consistently and have no concerns about the rest of the lineup and be like, you know what? Even when we go with 29 and 97 together, we have a second line that can score consistently and we have a third line that can score consistently. And I brought this up today on ON every day and the chat started saying, well, what if you just went at the deadline and shopped hard for a high-end second line center? Like we've been talking about them wanting to upgrade the blue line. We've talked about depth on the wings, maybe a fourth line center. But imagine if Florida falls out of the race and you go get a guy like a Sam Bennett and your second line all of a sudden was like Bennett, Hyman, and Nugent Hopkins. Maybe you could run Dreisaitl, McDavid, and whoever full-time and then also still have a really darn good second line. Yeah, see, when I look at at like the top three things that I think the Oilers need, I wouldn't have a second-line center, right? And so there's only only so much cap space. So I, I get the theory behind it. I'm just, I'm like... I can play Leon Dreisaitl as my second line center and not really have to worry about it. And so, you know, like it's, it's good that Nugent Hopkins can move there if you want and you have enough guys around that you can say, Hey, we can get away with it. Cause it's not like other teams have McDavid Dreisaitl as the one, two center, right? Like, well, nobody does. So there's lots of teams who don't have a dominant second line center. They just have a good one. And so could Nugent Hopkins be a good center for a short period of time? I think he can. Um, I'm more interested on what do you make of like I thought Philip Broberg had his most noticeable game in the NHL last night right and it's it's funny because as I'm watching him I'm seeing everything that Ekoma told us that he wanted him to do use his speed jump up be more active and guess what if it doesn't work you can get back and we saw that last night and I just I kind of wonder how this year is going to go for Broberg if him and Kulak established themselves as like a really solid and trustworthy third pairing and 
know, if Cody Ceci has a bounce back, then all of a sudden maybe you're not as concerned about the blue line as you may have been heading into the year. But I, I agree with you. I thought last night was really, it was a really, really good showing from Broberg. I also thought Brett Kulak played pretty well last night. I know like the analytics maybe didn't suggest that he had the best night, but I think a lot of that was just score effects of the Preds being down as early as they were and throwing a ton of rubber on net. Um, I like Kulak last night. I thought there was a couple of grade A chances that he got his stick in on and broke up. And you mentioned Broberg playing well. I think it goes hand in hand with him having a trustworthy veteran uh, partner. We saw last year with Bouchard, the difference it made when he went from playing with someone inexperienced to all of a sudden playing with a really experienced guy in Ekholm. We've seen it in the past with Bouchard and Keith. And I think the same thing will be similar for Broberg. If Kulak is playing well, then it'll free up Broberg to play the style of game that you mentioned and Matthias Ekholm mentioned. And I, I think it'll obviously give Jay Woodcroft just another reliable pair he can dump over the boards at any point. Tyler Ramchuk uh, joins us. You got to go with Campbell tomorrow night in Philly, don't you? Oh, you're insane if you don't. And I... I the counter argument is, but can you imagine if Stuart Skinner has the kind of bounce back performance that Campbell did? Imagine how good you'd feel about your goaltending. But that's a little bit too much of like a, a mystery box kind of thing. Like, do you want the boat or do you want the mystery box? It could be a boat. Go with the guy who's hot. Go with Jack Campbell. And and, and here's the thing, though. Um, we, we say bounce back, sure. But if like if I look at just this year alone and, you know, the five preseason starts and regular season starts for Campbell, he's still got a 950 save percentage, including the uh, the 27 minutes event against Vancouver, where he allowed four goals and 16 shots. He's only allowed four goals combined in the, in the other 240 minutes. He's played very well. Stuart Skinner necessarily hasn't yet. If you look at his his preseason, he had like an 886 save percentage. And then obviously we've seen what's happened in the regular season. I I get that, you know, you don't want him to sit out too long, but I think the orders need to get a few wins here. And I, I might even play Campbell on Saturday if he continues it on Thursday. Yeah, I, if he plays really, really well against Philly, I don't see why you wouldn't consider it. I, I understand not wanting to have Skinner sit on the bench for all that long, but it's also only game three, game four, game five. Like there is a lot of time this season for you to eventually give Stuart Skinner a run of starts. Remember, we talked about this last year. You know, he, he didn't play great in the playoffs and it could be a little bit of he's never really had to play that much hockey in a calendar year before. So I don't see a downside to just riding the hot hand. And I would be saying the same thing if the shoe was on the other foot and it was Stuart Skinner who came in and was playing excellent for two games. I'd be saying, yeah, play that guy for three or four straight. If it gives you the best chance to win the 0-2 start, put a little bit of pressure on the Oilers. And I think you need to kind of go into these games with the mindset of, all right, let's rack up a couple of wins. Let's get above 500 before we start getting too cute with who we're starting between the pipes. The Flyers uh, shut out the Canucks. Uh, they had tons of shots. Uh, Demko, I think, faced like over 40 shots. So Philly was all over him. Uh, you know, Edmonton, we saw that with Edmonton in game two. They just, you know, and, and Philly only scored two goals. Like, I, I would say this, Vancouver's goaltenders have kept their games a lot closer than they maybe should have been. Uh, thus far, but I'm kind of curious. We see Sean Couturier's first goal in multiple seasons because he had back injuries. What are you expecting from this Flyers team tomorrow? I'm expecting Carter Hart and the group of veterans and John Tortorella um, to just keep them competitive enough to not be a lottery team, but still not really get them anywhere close to the playoffs. I just, I don't look at that roster and I don't look at that blue line specifically and go, oh yeah, that's a team that's capable of sneaking into the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. And it feels like that's kind of what the Flyers management is still kind of hoping for. Like, I think they should have torn it down a little bit more aggressively this summer. Um, clearly isn't the play. 
And I think that's a dangerous spot to be in. I think it's almost the same as a team like the Nashville Predators, where like an elite goalie and a scrappy group of vets is going to keep you in the fight, but you're not a championship team, but you're just going to be picking eighth, mm-hmm. ninth, or 10th every single year. And you'd need to get lucky at that point to get the superstar you probably need. So I just view the Flyers as being in this mushy middle. Tomorrow's a very, very winnable game. Ty, one last one for you. It's early on. It's just like over a week into the uh, into the season. But, you know, we saw Hyman, uh, Fogel, uh, you know, score McDavid, obviously Leon Dreisaitl. What What have you made so far of the fourth line of the orders through three games? And I know technically it's two because the first game they only had uh, 11 forwards. I like that Adam Ernie has some bite to his game and he's willing to drop the gloves and play physical. But I think they got outshot last game, something like nine to one at five on five when all three of them were on the ice. And I understand wanting trustworthy veterans in the lineup. And I'm still fine if they want to keep rolling with this trio for a little bit here. But I would hope that these first couple of games have kind of grabbed Ken Holland's attention a little bit. Maybe you need to be a little bit faster. Maybe you need to have a little bit more youth out here. Just just to spice things up. Like you look at Vegas last year and what their fourth line looked like. It was fast. It would hit you. They could score and contribute. And I just look at Yanmark, Ryan, and Ernie, and I, I don't see a very high ceiling with those three. So for now, I think it's fine, but I do think it's something they need to look at switching up at some point. Ty, have a good one. We will uh, chat with you next Wednesday. Thanks, Gregor. That is uh, Ty Uremchuk. Or Tyler. Does he go like some call him Ty? Some call him Tyler. Just don't call him late for dinner. Motors Nation, that's a little report brought to you by Volvo Cars Edmonton. Coming up after uh, 3 o'clock, it will be Who Is It Wednesday? Many of you guessed it right today. I'll tell you, you'll find out who it is next after Connor Halley and a Sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.